This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. That's a span, 25 to 12. Now, is that a hip flask I see in your bag? <laughs> it is most definitely not. That would be highly inappropriate when we're actually going to be discussing the very thorny subject. The difficult are really, again, a stormy sea to navigate. Teenagers and alcohol. Oh. You know, gone are the days when you would have a little nip of Ginzano here and there. You know, it is, it is a very different world again. I mean, alcohol... Has become it's much cheaper. It's easier to get. It's well, everywhere. Yeah, it's much cheaper in the shops. It's not. It's mm. not quite so cheap in the pub. So mm. yeah. Well, um, that in itself is a huge problem because, as we know, exactly. so many teenagers will binge drink, drink an enormous amount in one go, putting untold pressure on their liver because they can't actually afford it when they go out. This is an Double enormous, an enormously complicated subject. Do you encourage them to have a drink, not have a drink, drink at all, not drink at all? And of course, we have the added problem in our household that I'm a recovering alcoholic. Well, I drank so much. I find it as a huge asset dealing with this, actually. I think it's. I think we're very lucky to have that in our family, if there's anything good that comes out of it, because... Yeah, you know, we have we've been through the war of it. Do you know what I want to hear right now? What? The sound of a cork coming out of a bottle of champagne. Stop. Anyway, let's get on with it. Let's kick the shit out of this, baby. Mine's a large gin tonic. Oh right, we're off. <laughs> okay, um, well, we are off. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's it's so can... old, isn't it? One normally gets to speak. I, right? Okay, let's. I uh... don't think we can start a podcast in that fashion. In what fashion? Where I make a joke about a gin and tonic. Well, when we're do you about think alcohol. we need to probably preface any conversation? Because what are we talking about today? We're talking about children, teenagers, and drinking alcohol. Mm. Whether we should let them whether they will. <laughs> whether we would have any control over Whether you can have control, should you exert control, all those. I mean, it's probably one of the biggest hornet's nests mm. for any parent of a teen. And I do think it's one of the classic things and this is why I love these conversations so much that we're having. It's one of the classics that parents of teens retreat and pretend that they're not having a problem with their teen because there is an embarrassment around your child drinking. Mm. I think one's ego comes into it. Everyone well, wants to be seen as the best parent, you mm. know. Mm. And also because it is absolutely terrifying, the thought of your child drinking. So I know with my very, very close friends, we talk about it, but there is still this atmosphere that you've got to try and pretend that we will have got to pretend our kids are squeaky clean. Well, can I ask a question? Because, I mean, we're in a very unusual situation in our family and I'm a recovering alcoholic addict who's been sober now for 15 years. And we have a 16-year-old. And we have a 16-year-old. So in terms of drinking and whether it's actually such a problem, you say it's a terrifying thing. I would dispute that. I would dispute whether it is such a terrifying thing for absolutely all families that don't have a, a sort of very negative experience of alcohol. It's such a socially acceptable mm. part of life. I think it's such a normal part of life that I think we sometimes run the risk of being in an echo chamber a little bit of quite a rarefied thing where we're very unusual, though alcoholism isn't and problems with drink aren't. But I think we're very unusual in that we're a family that's quite open about all of that and talk about those things. But you... I still think, I get what you're saying, but in my experience with my friends, they all worry Do they? desperately about asking, their yeah. children mm. um, getting drunk. And it, it, it is very different between boys and girls. Like... You know, friends of mine with um, with sons, it's about maybe getting caught in a situation with a girl that could then go one way or the other and, mm. and being vulnerable, walking home late at night and possibly getting into a fight. Mm. And I think with daughters, it's all about the whole question of consent and where does consent begin and end when you're drunk. <coughs> so, uh, so all the conversations I have with parents of teens... Um, even though they don't have the horror and the the worry of of of, of alcoholism like like we have had, um, there's still a fear because because alcohol 
is so different. Why don't we go to our first experiences mm. of alcohol? Because I think that there's been a seismic shift, hasn't there, in like from our from our generation and our kids. Mm. So when I first started drinking, um, we would By buy... the way, I'm just pouring myself a vodka. In the here. <laughs> Don't really worry. Not. If I do relapse ever, it will happen in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My memory is we'd all club together and we would buy a bottle of Cinzano or a bottle of From Martini. And yeah, you'd get somebody to buy it, somebody that was older. And then we would mix it with lemonade or we'd get a bottle of Lambrusco or we were, we were ever so posh and we'd mix it with lemonade and we'd get rat but actually, we were getting rat-assed on very weak alcohol, mm. you know. I mean, no alcohol is weak, let's face it. All, all alcohol is a poison and is a drug. But still, it was not the way that people get drunk now. Maddie has told us that it is all about the vodka shots. It's yeah. all about whether you're a lightweight you know, you're a lightweight, you know. It's interesting because whenever I look into this topic, you know, research it or, or idly I'm searching on the on the net and what have you, um, you know, all the polls and all the kind of surveys and everything say that actually, actually, surprise, surprise, we're a nation of more conservative teenagers these days. Drinking habits are going down, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um I think about just about as, as inaccurately as the polls were about Brexit and the last election and things like that. I don't think any of these polls are honest at all. I don't think we can trust any of these surveys because it's like when an alcoholic goes to the doctor or someone who's got a problem with drink and the doctor says, how much do you drink? You say 20 litres a week. You're actually drinking 40. Mm. I don't think anyone's honest about it because when we talk mm. to our children, our children tell us that it's so prevalent and it's very extreme. Mm. Actually, um, whenever Maddie hears us talking about this and talking about these figures, she said it's just not true. She scoffs. And I think it's a really good point because you may not know this, listener, but because we do have a very open conversation with our daughter, which sometimes I do regret, she really does tell us the truth of what's going on. Um, you know, kids are really into the whole American thing and the American high school and all of that. And think of all the movies that you see with American kid parties and they have these plastic red cups that they drink from. And this is absolutely a thing now at parties here in this country. They want the American big plastic cups. Right. So when I said to Maddie, so how much do you drink? Oh, well, you know... It's okay, most people will only have two vodkas. So I got her to show me what two vodkas were and she got a red cup out and she poured it. And, of course, they're thinking of it in terms of the cup. Right. Right, so that was filled half, she showed me, and then you top it up with lemonade. So then I showed her what that meant in shots and it's about six shots. Mm. So, and so you know, they are drinking hard liquor in a way that certainly we were... I never saw a bottle of vodka when I was drinking well, it's interesting. at parties. It's never interesting saw you it. should say that. Well, going back to how I... I think my first experiences of drinking were, were like many people born in the 70s or early 70s. I mean, I, my illicit drinking started with trying to get an underage drink in a pub. The whole thrill was, will I get asked my age? Mm. And there was no such thing as ID. It was based upon how you walked up, how confident you were, and all that kind of shit. That wasn't the first time I ever got drunk, but that was the first time I managed to get my own alcohol. And I remember And that. what was your mum's drinking? Because you... My mum herself was an alcoholic, and yeah. she was also a drug was it addict. Was bad at that time? And she had all sorts of issues when I was growing up, and I saw all sorts of excesses and all sorts of terrible behaviour and things like that. Um, but interestingly, she never sort of encouraged me to drink. She never offered me drink. I did. I was one of those kids that quite normally sort of wandered around after a heavy night of something going on in the flat. And I would drain the dregs and I'd be interested in what alcohol was. But the first time I properly got drunk was at school at the age of 12, where a friend of mine brought in a bottle of gin and we got annihilated drunk. And the form teacher <gasps> could smell it in the room, wow. could smell it in the room and said, who's been drinking? And it was quite obvious when she looked at the back of the class and pie eyed was me and a friend ball. And just you kind drunk of, a whole... And we drunk it all in the sort of basement area of the steps. Now, what's interesting about that is when I think of my alcoholism, I can really look back at that moment and go, okay, that I drank to virtual blackout. And I was just sent home. I don't, I don't recall the day. I don't recall the rest wow. of that day. And I was 12, 12, 13. But then I didn't drink, drink for ages. So I wasn't brought up, ironically, though it was a very fluid and very easy sort of atmosphere before 12, from 12 to 16... My mum had got a grip on her life. She wasn't quite so addictive. She wasn't drinking. There was not a lot of alcohol around the house, for example. Her mm. girlfriend was a spliff smoker. For me and research says that 
actually, though we worry about peer pressure and all of that, that actually how your parents drink at home yes. will have a huge impact yes. on how you drink. I've met plenty of people who've grown up in an alcoholic house and they've gone completely the other way and never touched a drop of alcohol because mm. they've been turned off by it. And I wonder if that sometimes is even maybe that's been a safer but way. Were you than... encouraged to drink by your parents? No. No, no, no. I wasn't encouraged. We did used to have the occasional little bit of red wine with them, you know, much more Mediterranean. But for celebrations then. and things like that, you would go. It's funny yeah. because, like, at the moment now, we had a celebration the other day and, you, and there was a moment where you said, oh, let's give the girls a little glass of champagne. And the alcoholic in me was going, no! But the wanting to be part of a normal, civilised society where alcohol is a normal part of everyday life, part of me wanted to go, yeah. But mm. there was a part of me going, no! Mm. Because actually... The jury's out on how anyone is hardwired or how, you know, the whole nurture-nature thing. Where does it come from? I have a history of alcoholism running through my family as far back as the year dot. Suicide, depression, you name it. (laughs) It's pinging all over the place. And yet, ironically, both my grandparents, neither of my grandparents actually drank. So going back to this idea of how do we manage our children, I think how your parents are around drink with your child does inform you as a parent today. Mm. So us as parents, Uh, we have been informed. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think it does. I I think if you've got, you know, if you've got a problem with alcohol, you've got a problem with alcohol. Uh-huh, but then that's a whole other podcast in itself, isn't it? What is a problem with alcohol? You know, I mean, if, well, here's an we inter- know that most children do not like to see their 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 parents change no. in the way that alcohol will change them. No. Um, and surely, you know, if we believe that by eating healthily, by exercising, all these other things that kids take in by osmosis, surely the same has to be said said for alcohol. Um, I suppose what we're talking about here, though, is with our teenagers, is how have we and how are we and should we and do we lead by example? I mean, Maddie and Kiki, Izzy less so because Izzy's 25 and so she has and me and her have talked about her worries and, and experiences of me when I was drinking. She's the only one of my four daughters who's actually experienced me having had a drink. And it was an unpleasant experience insofar as I fell asleep and she just didn't like it. She could see that it made me unhappy. Ironically, my three other daughters have never seen that because I've stayed sober for so long. And that's the way I know I want to keep it. So in terms of how your children learn to be around alcohol, it's quite a unique one we're in because you are a very normal social drinker. You can drink to excess, but you you, you don't have a problem with alcohol. Well, but you? before I had children, I was a te- I drank way too much, yeah. way too much. I have to put in uh I mean your 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 sobriety has kept made me a moderate drinker now because mm. if you weren't sober, we'd probably be popping open bottles every night. Let's oh, absolutely. Face it. Um but yeah, I'm a moderate drinker, so most of the time... So at home, I never drink, really, unless we've got people around, and then I'll have a drink. Or if I do, so I'll have girls, half a glass. So the girls never see yeah. you with a glass of wine in your hand, So I'll have they? half a glass of wine with them. But I have spoken really openly to them about when I did drink too much, and mm. I think that that's important. And as we know, last year... Um, oh, my God, do I even want to say this? Oh. Yeah, go on, come take on, us Nadia. there. Take come us on, there. come on. Okay. So, listener, <laughs> last year I got drunk by accident. Now, you may be chuckling to yourself with that, but, you know, we've all had those times you think, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get hammered tonight. And it wasn't one of those nights. I hadn't eaten. I was with a group of people that I didn't know. I was having a lovely time. I was having drinks poured for me. I was having drinks handed to me. I was drinking drinks without really realising. All the kind of advice uh, that I would give our kids not to do, (laughs) I I didn't take the advice. Right. Was having a lovely, lovely time. Felt a bit merry, but had no idea how drunk I was. Can I just pause you for a second? And did that fateful thing happen that always happens to you? The air hit you. Exactly. I left the the house and the air hit me and I was suddenly paralytic drunk. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of what happened because they were, it really was too awful. But 
suffice to say that our girls and you saw me in a terrible state that I would not want anybody to see me in, mm. let alone my own children. Uh, I fell down the stairs, all sorts of things happened. Now, when I woke up the next morning, I don't think I've ever felt that low, ever. I felt so bad. I've never seen you as low as that. It's the shame and the guilt and the horror of the girls seeing me like that. And as you know very well, I spent... I did sit them down. I actually Googled it. I actually did Google it and say, what should you do in this case if you've got really drunk? And and the, all the advice was that you own it, mm-hmm. that you tell them how bad you feel, that you tell them that you're suffering terribly with a hangover. You don't try and brush it, brush it over. And I did all of that stuff. And... You know, I I I had the mortification. I still got the mortification now. Talking about it, that somehow they'll have this ghost of their mother, seeing their mother in this terrible state, out of control, behaving despicably, behaving in a way that was actually very dangerous for life and limb. But you know what? Another part of me, not that I would ever want. To, I wish that had never happened, and I would never advocate that. Maybe sometimes my terrible, I hope that my terrible shame and guilt and my out-of-control behaviour will somehow inform them and go, God, to see my mother like that. Well, I think I think there's always an element of that in all of it. I mean, on that night, it was a particularly bad night, and uh, the morning after was a particularly bad morning after. Mm. And I did go to great lengths, actually, in your defence, uh, not to excuse your behaviour whatsoever, but to explain that... What you saw was the consequence of overindulgence and, you know, don't judge your mum unfairly in this because this is what your dad was like when he was a drinker, except you had a huge lolloping man flopping around the place rather than, a, a you know, a mum. And But I tell you what, I tell you what did strike me whilst we were recently on holiday was this whole topic came up again and you were incredibly remorseful and, and saddened and upset when it came back up. And what happened around the table was we positioned it, and I, I'm culpable in this, we positioned it as something that was funny and something to laugh mm. about. And as we were thinking about talking about this topic today, I actually thought therein lies a major problem mm. for our society where it's the immediacy of any drunken behaviour, and this is a concern mm. for being parents of teenagers, the immediacy of any drunken situation is often that it's actually all about danger, vulnerability, getting into trouble, mm. making mistakes, moral boundaries, falling apart, making just perilous decisions. Mm. But what we do as a culture, because we are all slavishly addicted to mm. the to, to alcohol as a culture, and I don't mm. say that, I'm not one of those naysaying alcohol. I'm, I'm a recovering no. alcoholic who loves people drinking. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love being around drink. I'm not yeah. one of those people You'll who doesn't like drink. Open. I like pouring people a drink. I like the conviviality of alcohol. I like it. And my line is always to my girls, make sure alcohol is a great acquaintance, a fun acquaintance, but not your best friend. Mm. And that way you can have a long-term life with it. You know, mm. I want my children to have a long-term, successful and fun and entertaining experience of alcohol. Um, But I do think societally what we do, and this is a real danger as parents of teenagers, is the worst things that go wrong for anyone are always turned into something to laugh about. It's always seen as a badge of honour. How much did you vomit? Oh, he's a real chugger. Oh, my God, did you see when he fell over? And, and, you know, I was hearing stories the other day of someone saying, you know, I was found lying out at a party, but everyone found it funny a week after the event. But that, that is a sanctioning of, of, of behaviour. Well, and that's why the other night when you guys brought it up at the table and I felt very much the children wanted to have a bit of a laugh about it to help me and I got really upset because you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to laugh about it as well, but I knew, I knew that was so wrong because it's not funny to put mm. yourself in a vulnerable position and that's what I'm hoping they'll get. Look, there's your mum. She's a moderate drinker. She's careful. She's always spoken to you about... She's the one that you never thought there was a problem. And yet she was vulnerable because she didn't take notice of all those things. Mm. And she made a terrible fool of herself. And ba 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 ba. So, yeah, that was a very unfortunate experience that happened. It was all my fault. But we did try and make it into a learning thing. And I think that too often as parents... We want to say to our children, and we say this a lot to our girls, don't we? You know what? We are just adult children, like, mm. trying to find our way, and we do make mistakes a lot of the time, mm. and sometimes we make those mistakes with you, and, you know, we can have that conversation back and forth. I think 
a big worry with um, bringing up teens is the whole question of when do you say it's okay? Oh, well... And the other question, why do we not give kids the option that they might not drink. There's all this language around... Because, mm. of course, mm. when you go to university, oh, my goodness, you'll be drunk all the time. And we understand it's your 18th and you're going to get drunk. Other cultures don't do that. Mm. They don't say that. And that has become so much part of a culture. A while back, I was doing another show and this research came up and said a huge percentage of people now give their 16-year-olds as a congratulations present for their GCSEs a bottle of vodka. Well, better still, there's another survey that says that 23% of under-15s, their first experience of alcohol is from their parents. Well, they give it to them. Yeah. Right. So, you know, now, uh, we're about to enter into the territory of my biggest pet hate, and I'm going to start to start gnashing. I I might even, I mean, I might relapse. I get so effing irate about this. Parents who want to, who use alcohol as a way to be mates with their kids. Mm. Parents, now, there's, you know... I'd be lying if I didn't say when I hit six, well, when I hit 18, but really when I hit 16, I missed not having a dad who would say, come on, son, let's go down the pub and have a drink. Because that's the sort of standard sort of thing. Is that you know? a really big thing with boys? It then? is a big thing. I remember, mm. you know, I, I can think of family members who've gone off with it. It's not macho thing, huh? It's not, no, Poor it's not boys. done in a macho thing. It, it, this is the thing. I think there's an idea with women that it's all macho. It's not all macho. Mm. I mean, a lot of drinking isn't macho, but it's, it's insidious and it's there and there's pressure and there's expectation. Well, and it's saying... Now you are a grown-up, Precisely. so now you get to drink. Yeah, and as soon as mm. that happens, there's like, now, I missed I missed that. But that's part of having your first drink bought for mm. you by, by your parents. But the thing that I can't abide is, like, the idea, sometimes I sort of think to myself, when our girls are going out to a party or they're going around to a friend's house, and I sort of think, I, my, I start to get so incandescent with fury when I think of some kind of middle-class parent going, oh, come on then, come on then, Tarquin. Come in, let's pour you and all your friends a glass of wine. And it's like, actually, the reason those parents are doing that, and I remember this because one of my ex-girlfriend's mum got me drunk most of the time, it was so that they could sanction their own drinking, uh-huh. so that they could actually not question their own struggles. Mm. <laughs> I'm thinking of somebody else I know, so I'm going to talk around it so I don't... And they recently told me that their um, husband has started giving the young teens wine every night with Mm. the food and that she's not happy about that. And I thought, I can see how... Of course, I, I wouldn't agree with that at all. But you know how you can get that distance between you and a teen? They don't talk anymore or they don't... Go for I wonder a walk. If, no, no, no. Listen, I'm just posing the question. Yeah, no, I know you are. I'm saying I wonder if some people fall into that trap of, without even really consciously doing it, let's loosen up the moody teenager a little bit with a glass of wine. Yeah, and the first, the, the easiest, but this is, this is like being... But listen, but no teenager has a glass of wine, a nice little Merlot with a steak because they like a glass of wine with a steak. Teenagers drink because they want to get pissed. It's they don't like, drink because they want just a nice little glass of wine. But it's like being... A, I mean, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about the prevalence of spliff because I think the big sort of elephant in the room with this generation today is is that spliff smoking has replaced, by and large, an enormous amount of the alcohol that we were consuming as a well, generation. I, think that's a whole I mean, that is a whole... Discussion. No, but in, yeah. on, that, on that point, it's like the parent who wants to get stoned with right. their kids. Yeah. In a sense, you're behaving like a pusher. You're, you're essentially saying to that kid, I'm going to groom you. You're going to be nice to me because I'm offering you alcohol. Oh and what teenager do we not know isn't going to be nice? I mean, we hear sometimes the girls come home, various girls have come home over the years, and they'll talk in su- such glowing terms of someone's parent. And then I'll kind of, I'll literally, the alcoholic in me sort of like scratches the surface and goes in there and goes... Oh, right, there was a constant flow of alcohol coming with this. Well, all teenagers are going to think any parent's yeah. bloody cool if there's, if there's free-flowing alcohol. My father-in-law figure essentially ran a brewery. I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread because we had a barrel of beer at the door all the bloody time. It's a societal dependency that we have. And I think that that dependency we're in denial about as parents. And that's not to say, again, I keep going back to the point, I want my children to have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Alcohol can amplify great moments, but it can't be the end in itself. And And the thing is, as parents, we've got such an enormous task on because culturally, everything is geared towards it. You know, the other day, I went into a very well-known card shop 
And I was looking, and my mum always says this about you. She's just a nightmare getting Mark a cough because <laughs> everything is about alcohol. Well, I love them about alcohol. I mean, but, I've got gallows humour <laughs> about it. I mean, I'd, I'd love it, you know. But, you know, you're going into that card shop with your child as they're growing up and they're looking around and they're picking up the cards, and it's all about alcohol. Here's a question for you. So I, I, went, into a rec- I went into a card shop the other day with Maddie, and there was a joke about chugging. You know, the idea that you drink a bottle of wine. And I found myself sharing a story of how me and my American buddies at college would try and down a bottle of wine in one go. And as I told the story, I realised I was entering... She was looking at me with soft, focused, glowing eyes of nostalgia. No, I know. And I was thinking, what is this about? Why do my children... Why do our children want to glow? Because... They want to think that we were rebellious, that we threw caution to the wind, that we broke the rules. And this is the problem as a mm. modern parent of teenagers. Mm. If you say don't do anything, they will do it stridently. Mm. If you say do it, they'll potentially not want to do it as much. So, mm. you know, where it's it's finding it's that, finding navigating that, that place in between is, the two. It is finding that line. And I, you know, I, I remember when Maddie was going to a party... And I had a conversation with her separately to you because we have got the added pressure of you being in recovery. Amazing. 15 years without a drink. Hats off to you. Um, And I could really do with one right now. (laughs) 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 And there we go. There's always so much fun, isn't there, around the whole alcohol topic. This is a conversation I had with her before she'd had any drink. And we were talking about alcohol and spliff and all these things. And um, she said, oh, mum, there is so much pressure. She said, but I'm quite lucky. She said, because I've got an excuse. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I've got an excuse. I can Mm. say, oh, I can't because there's been all this tragedy in my family with alcoholism and da-da-da and I couldn't because it will really upset my parents and and I thought god bless her she's like excited about the fact that she's got a really good excuse Mm. that she can shut people up with because her dad had to go to rehab and da-da-da-da-da so she's got something but otherwise if you haven't got something wow it's going to be really difficult of course now she does drink she Mm. goes to parties and she drinks I don't want to say to her you can't drink because I don't think that that's true I don't think that that I don't think that gets us anywhere. I mean, I I, I used to my mum used to say it to me, don't drink, and I'd go out and I'd get absolutely blottoed. So my conversation with Maddie is, if you are going to drink, I'm not going to say to you, I of course you're going to drink. You're a teenager, mm. you're going to a party. I've changed that language. I did start off with that, but I've thought about that and I think that that's wrong. If you do choose to drink, just be safe. Mm. Be safe. Don't ever be in a position where you don't know how you're going to get home. You don't know who you could end up sleeping with. You don't know, you know, don't do that because that is really, really dangerous. But I also know, because she's told me, that they're pouring, you know cups of vodka and thinking that's one vodka. But this this is where parenting teens is all about. It's as much about control. It's about what I would call low-level guidance and steerage. Mm. It's about stealth, but it's also about trust. You have to, you know, I think one of the one of the most sort of unlikely curveballs a teenager will ever get in their teenagehood is being handed the keys to the car. They look shocked. They look, you know, you're sort of saying to mm. them, actually, you know what, we're not going to put in any boundaries here tonight other than, as you rightly say, you know, just do it responsibly. Just try and do it. Now... I always say to the girls, and it is a tricky one, I, I, I forever, because of my alcoholism, because I, you know, I know where it can lead to, I'm also, I've also got that hypersensitivity around my girls because mm. I know that when I look back to my drinking as a teenager, mm, I now know began. where the signs of my alcoholism yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. I now can look at the habits and the, that were forming at an early age. I can look at the experiences I had. I mean, I remember rabidly running around at the age of 15, naked, in a state of terrible arousal, oh having, having God, drunk, having drunk half a bottle of... No, but listen, having drunk half a bottle of whiskey and coming round the next day, having hugged my girlfriend's mum all evening. <gasps> this, that, that. Naked? This is something I was in denial about until I went to an AA meeting only about five years ago. Naked? Naked. Now, you know... Your girlfriend's mum? Now, 
when Jane, when my girlfriend at the time talked about this, when, when my, we, it turned into laughter. It became something that we laughed about yeah, so so quickly, and, and it became something that I managed to bury. So it's a really difficult one for me when I look at the girls and you look at any or any of the girls' friends or relatives or friends that have got teenage boys and teenage girls. You know, it's very hard for me to mm. not see the potential mm. signs in so much. And well, I think that's it's like why having we that heightened awareness it. is so difficult. I think the way that we play it is probably right. You know, you do talk to them. I, you know, I'm going to say something to you now that you might, you might get a bit upset with, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think sometimes the way you tell your stories of drink and drugs, I think you glamorise it a bit. Mm. If well, I'm honest, it, it, it has made me cringe, and yet. Or worry, and yet I haven't wanted to say anything because. Well, oh, sorry, I've got a bit emotional there. Because, unlike anyone else, I know the enormous strength that is taken for you mm. to be on the edge, really, because our society is so so driven by alcohol and for you to be sober for 15 years and to talk about it as honestly as you do is incredible and so I have never wanted to say to you Mark just when you talk about oh I was a mania I was a mania they do look at you no, but with a real no, sense no, 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 of I hear like that, but the important thing but and one... you survived it and you look great and you're really smart let, and let you're me, successful. But let me qualify that there is some logic behind why I'm doing that. Sometimes like when one plays a bad cop one plays the part of being mm. say so I'll often be politically incorrect so that the girls can actually correct that, me. Yeah. Now, the whole thing about the sort of mania and the rock and rollness and all that kind of stuff around alcohol and drugs and all that kind of thing is, is that you are selling your teenagers a total lie if you say there's nothing good to have had, to have had uh -huh. in the experience. Mm -hmm. One of the most important things I say to the girls is alcohol can be great fun. You know, to say to a child it's not is an absolute lie. Because they're going to go out and discover that it is. I, yeah, yeah, I agree and with they're that. They're seeing everyone have yeah. fun. They're seeing everyone have a lot. Now, what I'm balancing those stories with are other great moments where they, they, they understand my sober birthday. They'll celebrate that birthday. We talk a lot about the fact that, you know, I, I did too much. It's, it's wrecked this part of my life or I feel that it wrecked that part of my life. So, there's, you know, I think I, I hear what you're saying, but I think there's also the context that I have a lot of other conversations with them about. It's like the other day I was talking to Matt about the, going the to an AA meeting. So it. the consequences yeah. of it. But I think if I was to pretend, I want them to know that you can have fun, but I also want them to know that there's a, pay, that there's a payment for that. There's a cost, there's yeah. a price. And the price is, and I've often said this to my daughters, I've said it to my eldest, certainly Izzy and Fleur, which is, make sure you manage your relationship with alcohol, because you don't want to be in my position where you can't touch it at all. You want to mm. be able to touch it a bit, because it's part of everything, and you can have great fun with it. So I think as a family, I think we straddle that right. Now, I do sometimes promote it. And, and, and the example I just used of saying, oh, I was chugging it, I paused myself there because mm. I could see her looking at me with... But you are her hero. No, you know? and, no. And what I find worrying about some of Maddie's conversation recently is, oh, they're a lightweight, or oh, they're a lightweight. I say, I love lightweights. lightweights no, 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 great. I know. And I, I hear her saying that a lot about it's being great to be a lightweight. The lightweights are the clever ones. But here's the thing. We're very lucky in that we are a family of, where we have the experience that I've had, where we can offset. So, for example, yes, maybe I have promoted a, a story here or a story there because it's just funny. I'm never promoting it because I think alcohol's good. I'm promoting it because... But we've just talked about making alcohol funny and yet you've said, and whether the danger yeah, yeah, of that, yeah. and yet you say, oh, I tell it because it's funny. No, 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 absolutely. But I'm not saying it as a sanctioning of the behaviour. You're right. I suppose I'm assuming that they're going to know that the consequences are you have to not, not drink for a lot. It's, it's terribly impacted on my social life they see that all the time yeah. because it's very hard for me to actually access the world in the way that I used Even to that I think is confusing for them because you're saying it impacts on my social life which says unless you are a drinker you can't have a social well, it's life a, it's, a t it's a difficult balance yeah, it's a it very is. difficult balance and I think but what I do want the girls to feel is, is that they can't be ashamed and that they don't need to be worried about coming to us with any extremity of story mm. I kind of if I'm honest those stories that I throw at them I throw myself under the bus as mm. a couple 
It's a bit like the good cop, bad cop. Mm. I'll often throw myself... Uh, no, but I'll often throw myself under the bus. As they know, they both know, and I think, you, I think you know they know this, that even when I say those stories, they know that I am talking about myself. They see it as the Johnny Depp that was in me back then, and they go... That's okay. glamorising. It's not gla- No, it's not necessarily glamorising it when they see what I've become, because they yeah, do respect what so. I am now. Mm. They do see how the I struggle. They also see that there is a payoff, because they know that I suffer in other areas of my life. Not in a terrible way, it's not like I'm sitting there kind of, you know. But I mean, <laughs> no, but they know there are certain sacrifices I've yes, made. Yeah. And I am open about those sacrifices, whether they be yeah. social, mental health, all these kind of things. And we have an open dialogue about that. So, uh, you know, I hear you. But you're right, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure to contextualise any form of negative alcohol experience as funny and fun. Mm, it's and so I'm also so telling great. them stories of how awful it was. Yeah. I mean, I am telling them those. I think... I think something else that I, that personally, I think is important with your kids, just thinking about the whole danger of alcohol, Mm. you know, I think if you put a blanket ban, don't you ever get drunk, and if I ever know you're drunk... Disaster. I think, because Maddie says to us um, that, um, you know... The people that are usually at the worst state at parties are either the children of the parents that are super, super strict or who don't care at all, that are in the worst states. Mm. And I think finding the middle ground, though it's so complicated, it's really easy to say that, and we struggle and we mess up with this all the time. You have to have a middle ground. We have to. Anyway, we have to. That's what's working for us. So we will say, listen, we, we will be really upset if you did get so drunk, you didn't know, you know, you were in a mess. But if you find yourself in that situation, call us. Yeah. We're going to come and get you. We're going to bring you home. We're going to make sure you're safe. And then we can talk about it the next day. Because my big fear is our girls getting in a terrible state and then not asking for our help and then something worse happening and I do think that is a difficult balance you don't want them to think that you're oh it'd be all right actually okay. my mum and dad have said it's all right if I get really drunk and, the, well, and, that, and that's in a weird way this is where you've, you've kind of contextualised what you've just said about me potentially talking about promoting it when I was younger or, or making mm. it sound glamorous I'm playing a game of stealth with them if they think I'm a recovering alcoholic who never talks about stories of when it was funny or when it was fun that's a very dry and boring man to have as a father and it's going to be a very difficult man to actually connect with dry and boring yeah no wrongly societally mm. wrongly but mm. it's true i'm having to adjust the way by stealth how i parent my children around within alcohol this society, within this society it, yeah. where it's all cool it's all funny it's all a bit excessive but actually it's all all right so you know we are we are we are a culture that that just sanctions a mass addiction. And I was part of it, and it was great, and it was fab. So I've got to accept that that's a given. I can't change that, and my kids are going into this world. So what I do by stealth is make them feel that I am not anti the idea of having had a good time on it. Because otherwise, I would not be that approachable person that they could reach out to. I find myself sometimes really tongue-twisted when I'm talking to them about it, because there is so much information out there. There's so much... You know, there's so much weight behind our words when we're talking to kids of this age about this Mm. because of course they are every weekend going into their peer group like we did and just going here we go Mm. sod it and sod our parents so there is no perfect way there is no perfect way to steal it nobody is going to swerve all the all the dangers and um temptations um but (sighs) let me ask you a direct question you know, with, say, our youngest, Kiki, she's 12, when is the right age to say to her she can have a drink? I don't ever want to say you can have a drink. No, but I think a lot I of don't parents want to... try and think in those terms. They're mm. like, well, what, you know, is there a line? Is there a well, clear line? The law says 18, right? We know the research is there. I mean, in America and many states, it's 21. Mm. And the reason for that is we know... Absolutely, the alcohol in the brain of an, a twenty under twenty one year old really has you know it's mm. not good. It's mm. not good for the brain. So I think what but contrary to popular belief, most under twenty ones in America are drinking a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think every day that you can delay it. Yeah, I agree. In whatever that brain, those cells are just growing a bit more. So my heaviest drinking 
probably started at 17, 18. When I really kicked off with my mm. proper drinking was probably 17, 18. So it was all about postponement. I'm really glad it wasn't 14, 15. Well, actually, no, I did drink quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so for me, I'm just thinking... Can I get them through the next month? Can I get them? And I think we did with Maddie, and I think we were a bit helped by the fact that she was home educated, so she wasn't on the party scene. I I, I personally wanted to. I I mean, the biggest thing that drives me nuts is when I hear of people, uh, kids going to parties, and the parents, in a show of great generosity or an attempt to ingratiate all the kids, have loaded the table up full of bottles of vodka. I mean, you know, what happened to baby shampoo? What happened to, mm. you know, I remember getting pissed on two baby sham in Wales on the, on the choir, and a, mm. you know, on a, on a school trip or something. Mm. I, mean, you know, I mean, Maddie has sh- photographed tables yes. of booze that parents have supplied and Weighted sent us the photo. Weighted down. So there's a good one. Right, so the first time Maddie had a party when she was 16... We did get a few beers, didn't we? Yeah, but we put a limit on it and we had a door policy where we said no more. I think there's great merit in controlling the amount of alcohol in there. It's the old thing. If we say we are not condoning it, there's 12 beers, there's 25 Mm. of you, there's 12 beers. It's not going to distribute strongly (laughs) unless there's one raging alky like me who comes in and gets four of them and goes (laughs) to a corner. you absolutely are not allowed any other Mm. alcohol. We, of course, knew there was alcohol coming in and you kind of let that you know we weren't going to go around and police it and check well people's I, I, I did put in a call for a quote from one of the mri scanners to be on the door <laughs> <laughs> but i think that that's an important thing to do we are not condoning that alcohol coming in but you kind of know it is going to and also god i mean is there nothing for kids to rebel against well, i was about to you ask suddenly you that putting up bottles of vodka you know i mean really oh well i was going to ask you that do you think it's really important i'd have, I'd have thought some people are listening to this going oh liberal bloody parents da 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 is it not really important to let your kids drink irresponsibly on a couple of occasions so that they discover for themselves. I mean, a lot of people say let just them. Let, let them discover for themselves. I mean, don't put in any limits. Don't just, they're going to come across it. It's part of life. No. Should they? I, I don't think that. I think, I think, I've, I'm happy with the way we did it with Maddie. Well, I think, well, I, I... And for other people, if that works for them, then that's fine. But f- I, I was happy. I didn't want to say to her, absolutely zero alcohol. Well, I did. I want to say you're 16 and it's absolutely zero alcohol, but I didn't want to put her in that position. And huh, there's a whole nother discussion. You know, she would be embarrassed with her friends if there was no alcohol on the table. So were we really wrong? Should we have just said, doesn't matter whether your friends are embarrassed? There is no alcohol on the table and that's that. I don't know. I, Maybe think, we we have, I think we inadvertently have been able to deliver our teenage and grown-up children a sort of cautionary lesson of what happens with excessive alcohol abuse mm. in me. And they've me, seen moment <laughs> they've seen a God. moment of it with you. God. But they've also they also do see, and that's why for me I you know, I'm not one of those recovering alcoholics that doesn't want alcohol in the fridge. I love alcohol in the fridge. I love pouring people. In fact, if you like alcohol, come round to our place because I will pour you a great big <laughs> fat one, I promise you, because I live vicariously. You know, for me it's really key that they see you drinking healthily and so when your family comes around or we have guests around and there's alcohol they see no sort of hypersensitivity coming from me i'm not judgmental i'm not anything and that's kind of again because I'm, I'm taking umbrage with this accusation you made earlier that i've glamorized drinking it is a strategy to make them realize that i am not off the grid when it comes to recognizing you can have a fun time or a stupid time on alcohol but i am also a salutary cautionary lesson well, in, i'm sorry in... i'm sorry that you hear it as an accusation because i really didn't want it to come across like that it was just it was just something that i've never really spoken to you no, about no, because no, no, I, hear that. I think you're doing an amazing job within being a sober person in a world that is all geared mm. towards everything so and of course always when i say this your intention is always brilliant and actually since when i said that and what you've said since i actually do think you're right so i actually feel better about it mm. this is such an important point think- within parenting teens that you do have these discussions because we all do. There'll be there's a million things that I'll do that you wish I didn't do or wish I didn't say with the kids, and I think that that's really important. And to the person listening now, you know, if you are struggling 
within with that you know that difference but sometimes you do we do need as parents to sit down and go can we just have a discussion about this because i'm not sure if i'm doing it right i'm not sure if you're doing it right it's interesting and the alcohol conversation will go on till the end of time i think i really do yeah i agree as long as they're they're only going to be our adult children it's never going to change we're always going to have this worry and we're always going to be unsure whether we're doing the right thing and it's funny you should say that those worries don't get any less as your children enter their 20s those worries stay Mm. with you especially when you have our strange sort of privileged position of seeing alcoholism and normal alcohol use if you know what i mean you know we we have the we have experiences of both extremes I think we could visit this again, you know, as another discussion. Especially, yeah, especially. I'd, I'd like it if we could have some beer on tap. Mark, stop it, you're a making a joke of it. A couple of bottles of uh, <laughs> gin would be lovely. Hmm. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Got some interesting um, points of view here and questions. Anna, 42. How can we teach kids to drink responsibly when we didn't at their age? Can you expect your teen to make good decisions while drinking with peer pressure to drink more? It's... Do it, it, <laughs> you know what? It's like an impossible, impossible question to answer. It's, I'd say, one of the most difficult problems of being a parent at all i'd say it's one of the biggest problems of parenting you know forget all the tiddly mm. tweeny toddler stuff you get to this point because as you've rightly said already in the discussion we both drank to excess how could we with any integrity stand there and say to them don't do it right well i think Again, it's about not always wanting to come across as perfect to your children. Mm. You can say, I made these mistakes. Hopefully, you can learn something from my mistakes. Although, fundamentally, everybody wants to make their own mistakes. There are no guarantees. I, I Personally, I don't want to come across as shiny, squeaky clean. And maybe I'm not as open about what a heavy drinker I was and all that when I was younger because we've got that example with you so we kind of don't want them to think we're two maniacs. Um, but, yeah, there aren't any guarantees. That's that's the answer. I always, only... use, I always use the story with the girls of when I really want to frighten them, I go, oh, yeah, there was that time I got so annihilated drunk I staggered along the central line between West Ryslip and Greenford. <laughs> and a train nearly took me out. Yeah, and, dangerous. And, and so it's about, it's about peppering, real, it's a real story, but it's about peppering those stories where catastrophe pretty much almost happened. <laughs> and a little technique that we've also got, Anna, when you're talking about how do, how do we help them when they've got the peer pressure mm. of drinking is... Or peer I will, pressure, I will as do, I call it. Sometimes I will do stuff around the back door, like I will read... Uh, say say there's a good article online or in the paper or in the news, I'll say, I'll say to you, won't I, with them sort of in the background, yeah. <gasps> did you see that story of that girl? She was just out with all her friends and they really pushed at her and she'd had this great big glass of mixed... Dead. Dead now. Dead. Just for that. Yeah. Or, God, did you see that girl, that poor girl? You know, she stumbled home, she'd spent all her money, she didn't call her parents, she got a cab, she was kidnapped and she was sexually assaulted. Do you think that could have anything to do with our children's anxiety? (laughs) But I think you do whatever you can, don't you? And you show them around with other examples. It's a mucky fight out there. It's a mucky. You've got to get mucky. You've got to roll your sleeves up and get bloody (laughs) mucky, I tell you. Yeah. Okay, we've got a good one here from James, 50. My boy, age 19, drinks drinks heavily at weekends with his mates. Mm. A couple of times he stumbled through the door, (laughs) remember it well, and slept on the sofa instead of going upstairs to his room. When does laddish boys-will-be-boys behaviour become a problem with alcohol and what can be done about this? Well, oh my God, that's probably the curate's egg that we'll never solve. I mean, for me, I feel like I am in a privileged position of having a radar on me that can read whether someone's behaviour around alcohol is a sign that they're an alcoholic. 
it is one of the most difficult things to unpack what's excessive drinking versus a profound chronic alcoholic, Mm. you know, coming into gestation and being born, if you like. There's no doubt about it. You can tell when you look back at the behaviour of an alcoholic or a defined alcoholic, you can tell from their drinking experiences as a teenager where it was beginning to sort of take place. Mm. But I think when you've got a teenager, you, it's very hard. It, it, it is very hard to know. I think when you know it's a problem is, is, is about frequency, it's about remorse, it's about, um, it's about a sort of almost a, a blind desire and, 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 and a lack of concern for the consequences. Where there's a lack of concern for the consequences entirely on a weekly basis within a child and they keep returning almost despite themselves mm. to a situation mm. that's going to repeatedly throw them into this mm. carnage and this mess, I think you have to stop, take stock and check in with your child. Mm. And you do check in, I think, I hate to say it, by using your own experiences too. Mm. Not making out that alcohol is a terrible thing and it's a curse and it's a, an awful thing and, and i.e. judge them. Do not judge them. The one thing you can't do is judge them or shame them. Really? No. I don't think oh, you can. that's interesting. No, I would say, because if you do that, I, I just think it just drives it underground. I think it just drives mm. it underground and they'll, they'll carry on doing it. I think what but you, what if they've behaved despicably? If they've and be- got blind drunk and, I don't know, wrecked somebody's house and... Is shame not part of it? I mean, I'm interested... Yes, if you've done that, I'm talking about for coming in and lying on the sofa every night. If you're going out and wrecking shit and damaging people mm, and hurting people... But if people- you're coming in and lying on the sofa every night and disturbing... Because they say in rehab, don't they, it's when the the drink costs you more than the price of yeah, the drink. Yeah. Oh, it's impacting on relationships or you're not turning up for work or you're letting people down. Mm. That is actually what defines I, an alcoholic. Absolutely, and I would say that you, even even in teenagers, you can tell whether they're going out because they want to go out to see friends and have a nice time with friends or whether they're going out to get, Just drunk. To get drunk. And right. I think there's a big difference. I'm, you know, I have there's the daughter of a friend of mine who I could I could tell from their drinking habits at the age of 14 that they were an alcoholic. I could have given you that definition and many years later it's come to fruition that they have a profound and chronic problem with alcohol. I can then look at other kids and I can say, well, they like to get drunk and they they drank a bit too much there. But they're, you know, week on week, they're not heading towards the destination of drink. There's mm. not the drink destination. And I think mm. you've just got to be you've got to be fluid. You've got to make no snap judgments on the first or second or third time. But when there's a fourth, fifth or sixth time in a relatively short period of time, I think you just need to start checking in with them. And are they solely just looking for the best time around alcohol? Or are they looking mm. for a nice time with friends? That's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>